welcome to the Whiskey Sisters podcast. I am Inga Larissa. And I am Jennifer Rose. Together, we will be bringing you a weekly whiskey podcast where we'll be discovering drams, exploring distilleries, talking to industry experts and sharing other whiskey adventures. Not only will we be sticking our noses into our drams, but also into all things new and current in the whiskey universe, with a leading commentary, of course. You're listening to Whiskey Sisters, the podcast. Today we are talking cigar malts with a special guest from Tomento. We will also sip and sample Tomento cigar malt, as well as Glencadam Reserve Andalusia. But first, let's stick our noses into the latest whiskey news. Stick your nose in it. Blackened American Whiskey, which was featured on the first episode of this season, has announced an exciting new venture with none other than James Hetfield and master distiller and blender Rob Dietrich, who we had on the podcast, and Drew Estate Cigars. So basically they've collaborated to create a special blackened M81 Maduro cigar. So the cigar is said to have notes of espresso, leather and dark chocolate. So that, that's actually really funny that you asked Rob during our recording about cigar pairings and special cigar malts while he was actually working on a cigar to bear with the whiskey rather than whiskey to bear with cigar. I know. And he was sort of like teasing that there was big news coming and we tried to squeeze it out of him, but of course he couldn't tell us. But that is quite exciting, isn't it? Yeah, now I know what to get you for Christmas. Oh, yes, please. <laughs> and do you know that the M is for Metallica and 81 is because that's the year the band performed? So that's quite nice. What? Oh, no, I didn't know that. I thought it was that was just like the type of cigar or something. Yeah, it's quite nice, isn't it? Yeah, good stuff. So Benria has these cool annual releases known as Malting Season and Smoked Season. And they've just released the second edition. And these reflect traditional methods of whiskey making dating back to the earliest days of the Speyside Distillery. So for this year's Bendria Malting Season edition, Master Blender Rachel Barry selected Concerto Barley and slightly <laughs> increased the barrel strength. The floor malting method is a process requiring a team of craftspeople. Yeah, because you can't say craftsmen anymore. Um, after steeping in water, the barley is spread across the molting room floor and turned by hand over several days to allow the germination of the barley. The result is a whiskey with a nose of malt sweetness with barley sugar and mandarin covered in white chocolate. Mm. Oh, that sounds lovely. Yeah, the palate is honeycomb infused with citrus and orchard apple before a finish of fruit, malt and vanilla cream. Smoke season is made using 100% peated malt, batch distilled and matured in first fill bourbon barrels combined with a high proportion of charred and toasted American virgin oak casks. Made with highland peat sourced from the mainland which is made from trees and heather. And on the nose it's barbecue smoked fruits in a pine forest with caramel smoke and cinnamon spice roasted apple on the palate. I think it's quite a cool concept doesn't it? Like the whole malting season edition. That's not something I'd thought about before. No, I would like to try them both. Definitely. So, 
when I started to research into this episode, I realised there aren't actually a huge amount of cigar malts available at all. The Dalmore released Cigar Malt Reserve at 44% ABV, which is matured in American White Oak ex-bourbon barrels, Matusalem, Oloroso Sherry Cass and Cabernet Sauvignon Barriques. I haven't tried it as it's not that widely available anymore. It's said to have the aroma of cinnamon, vanilla and red fruits and on the palate you can expect tropical fruits, banana toffee, vanilla ice cream with a finish of dark chocolate and spices. Mm, actually sounds really nice. Unfortunately, I don't think they gave any indication of what type of cigars this would be paired with. Like surely it doesn't pair well with just any cigar. Yeah, they say the body and character of the whiskey pairs well with a fine cigar. Although I did do some digging and found out that the Cuban cigar that provided the flavour benchmark for pairing is the Hartagas Serie D number four. So I haven't tried this cigar, but reviews describe the body as medium in the first half with, you know, rich flavours of cocoa, cedar and sweet baking spice. And in the second half of the cigar describes the strength increasing to medium full with floral notes, a complex bouquet remaining smooth and creamy through to the finish. I can see why people actually pair cigars with whiskey. If they actually give that kind of tasting notes to cigars as well. It's so similar, isn't it? You know, that experience and right through to the finish. I also found out that Tamdu has released two cigar molds, one in 2021 and the most recent one, I think it was only last month. Oh, yeah, I know. I think it still like seems like it's sold out everywhere. Mm. When I was looking up online, it just sold out or it wasn't available. And they said that they released 1,000 bottles in mm. like and that split in few countries so there's definitely an interest in these bottlings as they seem to go so fast definitely flying off the shelves exactly and the second cigar malt bottled at 53.8 percent abv has been carefully crafted to complement the complex aroma and mouthfeel of a handmade cigar created using a small selection of first fill european oak sherry casks with the robust character this is a dram dedicated to the richness and strength of some cigars and there's ginger dark chocolate and golden syrup on the nose palette is full of sherry soaked fruits gingerbread and treacle with a nutty finish with a hint of orange and apricot. Oh, these tasting notes are just delicious so far this episode, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. Up in smoke. So as you know, Inca, I'm an occasional cigar smoker. I'm by no means a cigar aficionado. Um, I would tend to feel like pairing whiskey, usually with a wee mini cigarillo, more than a full-on cigar, although I do enjoy them occasionally. I just think what a big commitment of time a full cigar is. You need to be relaxed and, you know, have time. And um, so perhaps I'm too busy um, <laughs> to enjoy them more regularly. But the, the minis are often made of the same blend of tobacco. So as I say, I'm fairly no in terms of cigars but I enjoy Monte Cristo classics and they have notes of almond toffee and cedar so for me this pairs really nicely with a dram with gentle sweetness maybe not too sweet so for me such as Bunahab and Toy Shikaga with that touch of smoke and the sherry influence or 
Ardna Merkins core release that's 50% peated and, you know, 50% unpeated. So uh, for me, that's quite complimentary. But again, newly thinking about cigar and whiskey pairings, I don't have, you know, too much to kind of recommend. But some people suggest thinking about, you know, that harmony of flavours. If you love a rich and spicy whiskey, perhaps choosing an earthier cigar or one that's on the sweeter side to complement the whiskey. And the opposite works for spicier cigars, which pairs nicely with a whiskey that's sweeter with more caramel notes. But yes, I guess like everything, personal preferences always play a part. And if I've had a few drams and I see a cigar, I just kind of want to light it up and I'm not that bothered what it is. <laughs> yeah. So of course, there's a third brand uh, of cigar malt as well, and that is Tomintol. So let's chat with Ian Fotit, the master blender at Tomintol, to hear more about their release and the type of cigar it is best paired with. Ian Fortith. Today, we would like to welcome Ian Fortith to Whiskey Sisters podcast. So glad you could make it, Ian. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. So could you start by telling our listeners a little bit about your role at Glencadam and Tomintil? Yeah, so so I've got a rather long job title now. But yes, yeah, so I'm Master Blender at Angus and Leeds Distillers. Uh, I'm Global Brand Ambassador as well. So I do a bit of everything. My job with Angus and Lee, I started with them as Global Brand Ambassador back in 2015. Um, and it turns out having a big schnoz is good for something. So no, I've always... Uh, I ended up becoming part of the kind of sensory panel from about 2016 onwards. And then I, that job kind of progressed. So I became part of the blending side. And now my role's kind of flipped. So I still do a bit of travel, but um, Cody Reynolds is now our kind of European brand ambassador. He looks after a lot of our markets where I would usually be. And these days I'm mainly on a lab rather than uh, jet setting quite as much as I used to. It's pretty cool. I mean, I love it. It's a, it's a, it's not a bad job. So as a master blender, you must have some mega skills to find the right balance when you're mixing whiskies. So what would you say is the most challenging aspect of blending whiskey? I think it's just, so funnily enough, within whiskey, like the, the hardest things to do are the things which are the most mass market. So actually for us, so single casks are the easiest part of being a master blender because all I do is pick a really nice cask and then write some yeah. <laughs> um, Ironically, in the flip side, kind of in the whiskey world uh, and the whiskey geeks, which I very fondly keep myself in that group, it's not meant in a term of detriment at all. Um, but for them, that's the stuff that they really, really love. Um, so that's the easy bit. <laughs> um, <laughs> Whereas making like a making a standard uh, blend that might be big in, in several mm-hmm. markets, the same batch on batch is the hard part. Um, yeah, actually, finding the consistency. Yeah, because your ingredients. I mean, your recipe always ends up getting tweaked there, there and abouts because your ingredients are always changing. I, I compare it to like cooking. If there's a recipe you make all the time, some years kind of you'll need to adjust that. You might need to put a bit more oregano. You might need to put a bit more yeah. kind of whatever it may be into your recipe to keep that taste the way you'd remember it. Uh, and yeah. blending is very much the same. So your recipe is always changing. And actually, it's the maintenance of, of bigger products or even just like core range stuff. So like a Tomatel mm-hmm. 16 is always kind of if we do ever, a new batch. People know what it tastes like. So you need to make sure it tastes the same. So how many how many whiskies would you say that you like? What's the most you blended in one to create one whiskey? The most casks? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I suppose. I mean, our biggest fat that we have at Angus Dundee is 100,000 litres. So that probably Whoa. gives you... A, a good estimate of, of scale but I think um yeah that would probably be your kind of largest batch which is funnily enough I mean we're not massive compared to some of the other whiskey companies either so I mean that's so that'd be a few hundred casks but yeah most most products we do are tend to be in the kind of for single malts tends to be in the kind of 10 to kind of 30 bracket for blends mm-hmm. can be yeah a fair bit more 
but yeah, it's a lot of lots of nosing and lots of tasting, which again is is, is not too bad. I can't. <laughs> not too much of a hardship. Yeah, yeah. Now, like you might have to sit in the fence professionally for this, Ian, but we mm. would love to know: Do you have a favourite between Glencadam and Tom and Till? Um, mm. I have done some tastings with you, and I'm just mm. going to put it out there: I'm team Glencadam all the way. I was like, yes, I've been raving about it to yeah. everyone that will listen. And what would you say is the key difference, you know, maybe between the, the whiskies? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's one of those things with having two kind of well-known malt brands that people always pick a favourite. And it's, I always, I kind of, it depends on my mood. I must admit, I have a real soft mm-hmm. spot for Glencadam. I love the fact it's historic and old and I love the mm-hmm. fact it makes this kind of rustic style of whiskey. Um, but actually, Tom and Tell is probably the whiskey I drink the most because it kind of ticks the boxes depending on what I'm in the mood for. Tom and Tell 16 is a drama I've drunk for and I think it's just one of these whiskeys that kind of ticks all the boxes for me. So it depends what I'm in the mood for. So yeah, I kind of like them both. Um, it's, it's probably the diplomatic answer. Um, but no, I <laughs> <laughs> it depends, it depends. They're, they're very different distilleries as well. So I think uh, Tom and Tal was built in the 60s, Van Caden was built in the 1820s. I mean, it's they're, they're totally different snapshots in time. Um, yeah. Neither of which have particularly moved on, which is actually quite cool. Like, they're both pretty rustic, but of their era. Um, so Van Caden's spirit style, when you're saying about the kind of difference between them, Van Caden's very tangy and fruity and crisp, which mm-hmm. is cool because it's, it's kind of juxtaposing of what you'd imagine an old spirit would be. Yeah. And that's just due to the kind of production style. It's very ester forward, very kind of tangy, and that spice really carries under it. Tom and Tal's opposite is more kind of creamy and buttery, really rounded. Even the new make of Tom and Tal's got a real textural note to it, which is, is really delicious. It's, it's got a kind of fleshier kind of character to it. Um, it's probably best to like a kind of creamy, kind of bready kind of note. So a bit more of an all-rounder. I know most distilling companies always have an all-rounder. So Tom and Tal's definitely are are more versatile distillery, but it's also a bit bigger as well. I mean, Glencadam's not really expanded in a long time, so it's mm-hmm. it's a distillery that has a smaller output. In the previous episode, we mentioned how since the smuggling era, Glenlivet had been used as a shorthand for what we now know as space-like whiskies. Yeah. So is this perhaps why Atomintol labels Glenlivet, Glenlivet is still mentioned? That's a good question. I, and no is actually the funny answer to it. So, so you're oh. right. Um, once upon a time, that was like seen as the as the kind of stamp of approval really so Glenlivet as a forerunner to any name was a kind of it was on lots of products including McAllen and some massive names once back in the day but actually we're the opposite we're in Glenlivet um, that, so that's why it's on our label which is confusing I do <laughs> um, yeah, yeah so, so actually Tom and Tell Distillery is one of few which is actually in the Glenlivet estate so it's it's we're literally just just south of them so actually Tom and Tell's original name is Glen, uh, Tom and Tell Glenlivet TG if you see old signage it oh. says TG is the old badge um, and that's not that they're so the other people had it in front whereas actually we have it as like a, a, a side runner too so yeah it's actually the official name we dropped it to Tom and Tell but we mentioned Glenlivet because it's a prestigious area yeah um, if it were up to me I think it's one of these things that kind of, it has its nice kind of heritage nod to it, but it confuses people. Uh, lots of people ask if I work for Glen yeah. and I'm sure, yeah, Colonel Ricard have a little bit more money than Angus Dundee. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but I haven't got a private jet for my travel. Yet. Um, but yeah, so they are richer neighbours, but no, we are, we're not piggybacking on them if that helps. Um, and, but it's good to the myth bust that though, because lots of people ask that question. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's always, there's so much information on some labels and I think yeah. it's good to know how to read the labels and understand what everything means. So Yeah, it's funny. I mean, I think um, I was trying to explain this actually when I was on my most recent trip because um, I was speaking to a real wide audience and I think that the reason that we kind of kept it, I suppose, is kind of like an Appalachian sort of thing. I'm not going to get into that big debate of terroir and everything else, but, but kind of yeah. southern space sides in particular tend to have their own sort of style. So the Glenlivet area spare states are quite similar profiles. So you've obviously got the Glenlivet, you've got Tamna Villain, uh, Brave Val, which used to be called Brazil Glenlivet. These guys are all kind of similar flavor profiles. So they mm-hmm. tend to be a bit lighter than your standard space sites. That's a good point, actually. Yeah, it makes sense. 
and that whole valley that we're based in, so the Glenlivet Valley is like the home of illicit distilling. Um, so that is the, the heartland. There was about 200 odd distilleries there once upon a time. Wow. Uh, none of them legal. But that's all the fun of it, really. Such a cool history, actually. But Ian, we really want to hear about this award-winning cigar malt. So really? for our listeners, maybe if you could share why create a special malt, because some people may argue that like all whiskey would pair well with a cigar. Yeah, I mean, so for me... Uh, the reason I love what I do, the reason I do what I do is because I love flavours and I love pairings. Uh, and as you can tell, I know we're on a podcast. So for anyone on the podcast, I'm really lean and slim. Uh, but otherwise, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I enjoy my food. It's definitely uh, fair to say. And I enjoy flavours. And so the idea of doing the cigar malt as, as a kind of, yeah, a specific whiskey for that pairing is because I'm, I'm kind of a fan of cigars. And I thought it was cool to bring that kind of that step together. If you do enjoy the old cigar, um, it's, it's kind of built for that purpose. And, and I suppose the... The kind of the best place to start probably the beginning of that dram, if it's okay, I can kind of talk you through why it became what it was. Yeah, please do. Um, so yeah, so we're not the first cigar malt in the whiskey industry. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't tend to say we are. We actually we're very close with White Mackay. We know them very well. We actually bought Tom and Tal Distillery from them in the year two thousand. And yeah, Dan Ward did it first. Their cigar malt is a whiskey I've known for a long time. I used mm-hmm. to sell it long before White Frank is Dundee. Kind of, I always felt within that kind of bracket that. The kind of if you make one product, it's not going to cover the entire world of cigars. There's so exactly. much flavor and characteristics. So yeah, for me, being a cigar fan, I've always kind of done tastings where they're incorporated. And Tom and Tal Twelve was always our lean to for for our whiskey and our range that worked well. And Tom and Tal Twelve is a bourbon cast matured whiskey finished for two years and all the also sherry. So it's got that lovely kind of milk chocolate kind of raisin sort of note to it. it makes it very nicely with tobacco and anything with a bit of spice to it. So that was a kind of go to for years. And I was only going out to uh, Hong Kong, our importer out there. Are also a cigar importer, and we did an event. And afterwards, we were sitting having a nice cigar on a kind of terrace in Hong Kong. And he was like, "You guys should do a cigar malt. Like your whiskey really suits cigars yes. and, and tobacco." And yeah, it was going back to the owners and then kind of saying, "Well, you know, Dan, we're at first. We're not trying to kind of steal their market. We're not trying to kind of yeah, we're not reinventing the wheel. But actually, mm-hmm. my kind of pitch was, well, actually, why don't we make it totally different and make it for a different style of cigar?" So, so can can yeah. you tell us a bit about that, Ian? I enjoy occasional cigars, but I don't profess to know much at all, and just have a couple of brands that I would purchase if I'm feeling that way inclined. So for the cigar sort of knowing community that might be tuning in, can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in a selfish way, I kind of pair them towards the styles that I like. Um, <laughs> quite right. <laughs> really, yeah. So yeah, so I, I quite enjoy like a medium to fuller bodied style cigar, um, generally. Uh, and I think that for me, I kind of built a whiskey around that sort of profile. Because it was instantly going to be compared to another whiskey, um, I wanted to make sure that it did what it says in the tin, but also that it was kind of, it was going to hold up to criticism. Because as soon as you bring out yeah. anything similar <laughs> to anything else, it's, it's going to kind of, yeah, people will automatically compare and contrast. Um, kind of tailored so sweet and spice are two things that kind of work mm-hmm. really well together uh, and the flip side of that is spice and spice don't work together I don't know if you've ever had like a full yeah. body red wine and a curry before it doesn't work they just butt heads so for and I've done lots of different pairings where people have had cigars and cast strength and things like that and personally mm-hmm. I don't think it works because usually okay. one, one thing drowns out the other so if you do something that's super high alcohol like high 50s or 60s then that's what you're going to taste over the tobacco. But then the flip side is if you have something that's really spicy and bold as a cigar, then it can drown out a light whiskey. That's really helpful to think about though, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It makes so much sense and I hadn't really thought about it. You know, it's more just like, oh, I've had a couple of jams and I quite fancy that, you know, in terms of aromas and flavours and complementing. Yeah, yeah, it's something that I think, um, like I said, if, even if cigars aren't your thing, it's, mm-hmm. it's a tasty dram in its own right. And I always describe it as like a decadent after-dinner dram. It's it's big and it's rich and it's kind of sultry, I suppose. It's, it's that kind of big, lots of kind of dried fruits and uh, kind of sweet spice notes in there. There's a little bit of heat in that mix as well, which gives it that subtle smokiness to it. 
and yeah, so the idea is it will pair up with what is, what is named on the tin, but also, I mean, things like blue cheese, charcuteries, uh, I'm sure there's vegan alternatives available too. <laughs> um, <laughs> anything kind of, yeah, chocolate is a great pairing with it as well. Something kind of rich, it's going to kind of marry well with. But yeah, so in terms of the actual makeup, it's, it's a very kind of Oloroso-driven star product. So using a lot of that rich sherry nut too. Yeah. I'm still, I've still got the job title, so it must be doing okay. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, it has won loads of awards, so. Yeah, it, I mean, Sagama was, so that was my first release as Master Blender. So I've, Oh, was it? Yeah, so it's kind of my baby. I, I was going to clutch oh. it, but I realised we're not on screen. But yeah, I've got a bit of a, a soft Oh, nice. Bit. Later on in this episode, Ian, we will be reviewing the Sagama oh, and drama well. fire and spending a long time giving our team notes i had so many different prototypes of of this whiskey and different flavors and different balances of recipes and it had a, one of these kind of eureka moments i was like it's really sweet and it's rich and it's great but it's kind of missing something and i was like ah just a, like end up incorporating just that little bit of smoke which kind of brought it all together i, I think anyway and, and the best compliment i've had on that whiskey was um from posh scotch i don't know if you know ian um, yeah and we did a tasting with him and uh, it was with a group and he said oh this tastes like old whiskey nice. a massive smile across my face because i i'm one of these geeks that loves to buy old blends i love trying whiskey that has bottle age as well as physical age so he wasn't implying it was like a 20 year old malt he was implying that it tasted like an old whiskey that sat in a bottle for 20 years and to be able to kind of get that kind of flavor into whiskey i, I love that flavor i find it really interesting so yeah to be able to create that with whiskey that it hasn't been sitting in a bottle for that amount of time is quite a cool compliment hopefully you guys like it i'm not trying to put words in your mouth it's good to know as well that there's other pairings to go with it so if someone is not into cigars like myself there's other things you can do with it our listeners shouldn't be put off by the cigar and i think that's the thing like it's it implies what the whiskey style will be more than anything else. So, so yeah. I'm definitely not saying, you know, go out and smoke. That's not the, uh, <laughs> not the I suppose it's a treat, like a lot of spirits, but you, you don't tend to kind of just have them because you're, you're feeling thirsty. It's more of a, it's, you're, you're treating yourself for whatever. It yeah. Be. Yeah. Um, exactly. It's the mood. Yeah. I like the, I like the smell of cigars. So maybe Jen can smoke a cigar nearby. And <laughs> while I'm sipping the whiskey, I can still get into the mood. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Are there any plans to create new cigars? because obviously this one has been so popular do you think you know maybe different types of cigars do you think this will be something um, for the future i suppose from our side probably nothing from us at the moment i think that while it's nice to have it as an extra there's lots of other things we could call it i mean the tom and tyler cigar could have been named anything else um i suppose and still be a, a nice whiskey to release um so yeah i've never really thought of doing specifics mm -hmm. i have spoken to a couple of cigar manufacturers who have kind of said oh we could do like an actual whiskey for a particular brand and so that may happen at some point but i mean it's i not... wondered that actually yeah it's i mean they've done it in the rum world um but it's not really mm -hmm. been the done thing in whiskey so yeah potentially something like that the problem with with tobacco more than, than whiskey is legislation mm. uh, if you think that alcohol is a difficult thing which in some for some reason in scotland we're pretty uh, prohibitive on yeah the tobacco world is even more restricted so like yes. branding and all this stuff is a bit of a logistical nightmare so yeah it depends i think it's really exciting that it's available and available for people to access just now ian and you mentioned dalmore earlier that's one that we've actually not managed to try it's right. been pretty hard to get a hold yeah, it's of quite expensive as well the ones that you can find the aim for that i mean the best takeaway i can i can kind of give for for ours is the idea wasn't to kind of push them out of the way it's to offer something totally different i've, I've got a bottle of dalmore in the fact, Jen, if you want, I'm sure I could send you a sample. Um, oh, well, um, you know. <laughs> but it's um, one of these things, that, and the idea wasn't to kind of compare and contrast and recreate it, it was to make something totally different. Like, generally speaking, you did mention earlier that you like pairing and 
things and you like your food. So do you have any recommendations, any kind of good whiskey and snack or meals or that yeah, kind of stuff? Yeah, absolutely. I, how long have we got? <laughs> <laughs> um, something easy to make at home. So an amazing pairing, which is really simple, but sounds posh, is a, a Glencadam 10-year-old with, with Parmesan. Oh. Shavings of Parmesan. And when I say shavings of Parmesan, what I mean is take a potato peeler and peel a bit of Parmesan off the side of some. Mm-hmm. Um, the shavings part is the posh bit. But yeah, it actually works really well. So, so I trained in wine. I'm, I'm a wine guy that fell to the dark side. It's the best way I can describe it. <laughs> oh. um, but, but wine and food is so understood and it's such a big part of the wine world and presentations and dinners and all this kind of thing is all yeah. how you incorporate wine into into kind of sales, really. Whereas whiskey is still undertapped. It's, it's developed a lot even since I joined the industry, since I kind of came to the dark side, like I said. But I've always tried to push it forward because, again, whiskey is really versatile. It's just the alcohol you've got to be careful with. Yeah. It doesn't have the same acidity as a wine. It's got a lot going on. So, yeah, so Glen Cadam and, and shavings of an aged parmesan is really good because it's they're to, totally different flavors but when you let that kind of cheese melt in your tongue uh, you get notes of like apricot and uh and tropical fruits which were in kind of yeah they just emerge from the cheese which is really bizarre um <laughs> and the salt and the sweetness of glencadam marry really well together yeah i like the sound of that uh, tom um, tells 16 year old and, and shortbread as well i know shortbread and whiskey is maybe a bit tweed mm-hmm. but, but it works really <laughs> oh, well but that's cute um, <laughs> three style of tom and tell spirit that creaminess really marries well with with, with shortbread and walker shortbread are just around the corner from us so Probably give them a nod. Um, yeah. <laughs> I love that. We've thought a little bit, but not that much on the podcast, Inca, about pairings. But we were at a tasting recently, and there were certain, you know, little snacks that really brought out different nuances on the palate. It was, it was really interesting. So yeah, it's, it's good fun. I kind of got known for that in the early days when I was a brand mm-hmm. ambassador, primarily as my job, because um, I used to love to do weird pairings. So I remember doing a great tasting with uh, the guys at Robbie's Drams uh, down at Air. I don't know if you know their whiskey club. It's a really cool whiskey club okay um yeah we did a whiskey and cheese tasting with them and i went to melis i'm trying to remember is it you melis uh melis cheese is over uh, and we that's tasty in glasgow yeah yeah and it was it was great so i did my research concluded of tasting about 20 odd different cheeses with all our whiskeys (laughs) it's it's a hard life um And I say that out loud, it doesn't sound so bad. But no, so tasting lots of different cheeses and we did some weird combos as well. So we did hand-in-hand cheese combos like, so Glencadam 17 Portwood, which is a big jammy mm-hmm. uh, forward jam with Wednesday and Cranberry, which I know is controversial. Oh, I'm really in for that. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, well, I mean, that works really well. But then we did some really weird ones. So I was doing like Morbier, and, uh, which is quite a, a kind of pongy cheese. That's probably not the technical term for it. Uh, with with like a, a 19-year-old Oloroso and some cool stuff. And I've done other weird tasting since like Whiskey Biscuits, which is was a pairing of like seven different tum and towels with like biscuits and cakes that you can buy in the supermarket things like gingerbread and jaffa cakes and all this kind of thing it's it was good fun yeah i need to do like whiskey and salad so that's going to be the next uh, (laughs) day brilliant no i love all the tastings it's just you get so much more out of the whiskey and just exploring all the different flavor profiles it's really yeah. nice. Do, do you do anything like that at the distillery then? Like, do you have any tours or anything? Not so much at the moment. It's funny. So neither of our distilleries currently have a visitor center. So we're actually a bit off the beaten track. We're, we're both full production sites. So mm-hmm. so both Tom and Anglin Caddam are fully manual distilleries, but in full production. So we don't uh, really have the capacity, as always, to kind of run regular tours. We are changing that slowly. We've actually hired a, um, a kind of part-time tour guide at Tom and Tal. So on Tuesdays and Thursdays, you can come visit if you get a chance. There's a, there's a shameless plug on your, on your podcast. <laughs> 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 so it's, and Glen Cannon we're building a very small visitor centre which is currently in, in progress but no not really 
as such is like a kind of standard tour. That said, I love to do so Spirit of Space Side every year. I, I've started doing the Fireside sessions. Oh, which... and that's when you like pair with cigars and things. Am I right? Yeah, yeah. So we so Tom and Tower is, is based in the Cairngorm National Park, and we literally have mountains on all sides. It's a really stunning setting. So we we have have land there that we literally I kind of set up. A, two fire pits we burn old casks and staves uh, and we sit and do really decadent whiskey pairings so we've always got yeah whiskey and cigars we've got toasted marshmallows give people weird and wonderful tastings out in the wilderness it always means that you're at the mercy of the elements is the problem lighting lighting fires and cigars and things near a warehouse is not really very <laughs> they don't let me do it at the actual distillery we have to walk down to the river but if you ladies wanted to come over i'm sure we could figure out some kind of yeah i, I could try some weird tastings with you i'm sure definitely yes i love the sound of the fireside sessions very much you know creating memory all that that kind of atmosphere and the you know the pairing I think that would be hugely impactful for anyone that attends and and kind of remain with them yeah I mean my view behind it really is that so that's how I like my whiskey whiskey's a rustic product so I, I like to enjoy it in the wilderness I like to have a dram yeah. while walking or being up the hills or by nice. a fire on the beach or whatever it may be I think um yeah, that's kind of what it's made for. And I think that it kind of brings people together and the whiskey itself is something that is, is for sharing and, and for kind of getting to know your neighbours effectively. And and when you put people in front of a fire and you pour them drams, everyone becomes pals by the end of the night. It's a really good experience. So Yeah, create memories. And like when you, like you said, if you've been hiking or what, not like you spend the day outdoors and then you finish it with the whiskey it kind of brings it all together and that's how you will then remember the whole whole Absolutely. day, the whole experience. The way that your brain stores your memories of whiskey is, is right beside where your kind of memory bank is effectively. Yeah. And, and smells and, and experiences all tie together. So I can remember drams better that I've shared in particular instances than remembering Absolutely. And yeah, you're right. If, if, if it kind of frames a moment, I suppose, if you see it as like that's a kind of crowning part of whatever it was you were doing, it's pretty cool. Thanks for all, all the information. We're really looking forward to trying this this whiskey now uh, might even get some some pairings to go with it <laughs> when we do our notes um so we like to end this interviews to find out about your dream dram so which famous person dead or alive would you like to share a dram with and which whiskey would you go for it's a very good question and i think i've got kind of two avenues for this if it helps i would love to have a dram with like john walker or Tommy Dewar, or one of like the founding fathers of whiskey blending. I, I, I just think it would be really cool to compare and contrast, but also yeah. kind of these guys are the guys that kind of, yeah, they, they made whiskey what it is. And I think that it would be really, really cool. I, I, I love looking at old books that have old recipes and stuff, but I'd love to actually yeah. sit down and like share a dram with them. Maybe in a selfish way, show them something I've made and see what they do. <laughs> yeah. um, but but I, I think it, that would be really cool. And if it was a, just a general celebrity and not in the whiskey world, probably Sean Connery. I think that he would be a cool guy to have had. Uh, I share his birthday. Um, so, so I've oh, always had an affiliation with that uh, with Sean Connery, although obviously he was a little bit older than myself. But uh, yeah, twenty fifth of August. So I feel like there's yeah, a dram with him would be pretty cool. If it Good was. choices, Ian. Um, and what would the dram be? If it was if it was with one of the blenders, then it would have to be something that took a bit of blending. Mm -hmm. Cigar malt, since we're talking about it, would be pretty cool to show them. I suppose old favorites as well. Uh, Tom Tell Sixteen is just a great dram to share with people. Mm -hmm. I, I think that it's a dram that doesn't overlap the situation. Of that you know what I mean by that so it's kind of it's a whiskey you can enjoy but enjoy the company too and what about Sean what would you pick for his class for Sean well I don't know I, I suppose I'd probably go for something a bit more rustic maybe some of our Glen Adams Glen Adams 17 Portwood you would be very <laughs> impressed <laughs> well we would like to thank you so much um, it's been really lovely to have you here Ian uh, you know, and just there's so much to to learn and it's it's excellent to have your experience and really looking forward to sort of seeing what's to come both from Tom and Till and Glen Cadam. Thanks. And I look forward to seeing your review on the cigar mall as well. Yes. Dram on fire.
So today we are sampling Tomento Cigarmel and Glencadam Reserve Andalusia. Master distiller Robert Fleming personally selected a combination of Tomento single malts from specially selected vintages, which is then balanced with some rare peaty Tomento single malt. Each of these individual cell malts have been either matured fully or finished in hand-selected Oloroso sherry butts. So Inca, how was it? Okay, so the colour was pretty nice i think it was kind of like a golden but slightly reddish do you think yeah i think so yeah I th okay so aromas i was getting maple syrup cinnamon rolls a little bit like a kind of bread dough or when you're making buns and some berries but then with air it changed more like we have this dark chocolate coated marmalades in finland called julia so it reminded me of that. Like, it mm -hmm. was quite nice. And also kind of those chocolates that has booze inside. Ah, oh, like kind of chocolate liqueurs. Yeah. Sounds like you were getting lots on the nose, Irinka. Quite diverse aromas. Yeah, and a lot of chocolate. <laughs> yeah, I got quite a lot. I didn't detect the chocolate, but now you're saying that it's piquing my interest. I got a very golden syrupy sweetness on the nose and kind of toffee apple. I was thinking of oat and raisin cookies. But there was also something I want to say, it will not be hugely woody, but you know, like wood shavings, if you went into like a workshop where somebody was making things with wood, that kind of fresh wood shaving smell. Yeah. I got a wee bit of that. That's not bad. That's quite nice. That kind mm. of little wood influence. Yeah. So on the palate then, it had like a little bit tingling spice that goes mm -hmm. away quite quickly. And then it turns into more roasted coffee beans, like really dark chocolate. No way. I've got a subtle afterkick of spice with ground coffee and dark chocolate. Ah, there you go. <laughs> Check us out. <laughs> Brilliant. I found the short, uh, finish quite short, but then I was thinking, like, it kind of makes sense that it would be a little bit short because if you're pairing it with the cigar, surely your kind of senses in your mouth will be overtaken by the cigar. Oh, I hadn't thought of that, but that's such a good point. I found it slightly drying on the finish, but not uncomfortably so. A little bit tobacco-ish on the finish. And then I'm going, is that just because I'm thinking so much about <laughs> cigars? But a little bit of kind of, you know, when toast is slightly burnt, but it's still pleasant. I got a little yeah. bit of burnt toast on the finish. Yeah, I quite like a burnt toast. Yeah. But, um, I didn't really get the peat. No. Like it must be a tiny, tiny percentage of peated malt because I really didn't get any kind of smokiness at all. No, I would agree. I've, I think it's like super faint. Um, I don't know if I've got, you know, it's. I'm glad in a way to hear that you said that as well because sometimes I worry like, oh, am I not detecting things? But yeah. certainly it was super subtle as far as I'm concerned. Well, I'm saying subtle. I didn't notice it. Yeah, uh, it was bottled at 43% ABV. I don't know, like, obviously I don't smoke cigars, so I don't know. I didn't have the chance to try it that way. It was nice, but I didn't, I wasn't like, my mind wasn't blown. I wanted to try it and I have done like without a cigar, <laughs> you know, just to kind of taste as a normal yeah. good. Haven't tried it as yet with a cigar. Looking forward to doing that to see if I have a different experience. I enjoyed it. But I would concur, you know, I'm not like raving about it. I'm not doing like a happy dance over this dram. But yeah, it was nice. Next up is Clencadam Reserva Andalusia, Andalusia, which is bottled at 
46% ABV. And this time, Mr. Fleming carefully chose the very best sherry butts from the Dunwich warehouses at Clinkadam. And once married together with bourbon casks, it was finished in Oloroso sherry butts from Andalucia. Nice. How, so what were you getting on the nose for this one? I was getting, you know, like those, you know, the digestives mm-hmm. but they also do kind of the ones with the caramel on the top so okay at first i was getting that and also red wine oh and even <laughs> just, I, I don't know i was getting like lots of weird stuff you know that pink pickled cabbage i was getting that <laughs> yeah. as well Brilliant. and then at some point it changed more into like sweet cherry can't read my handwriting <laughs> <laughs> but it just kind of became more sweeter and I don't know like it was just taking me all over the place that's cool that you were getting you know that diversity of aromas for me it was quite straightforward in the sense it was a lot of kind of sweet notes that treacle brown sugar sherry soaked raisins cinnamony baked apples more kind of kind of I guess regular sherry kind of scents about the color I thought it was quite light for a sherry sherry yeah, whiskey more kind of like honeyish yeah exactly a bit more honey yellowish on the palate I was getting I'm taking the red wine into red wine gums you know those sweets and then again this that pickled cabbage is turning <laughs> into that ginger you get when you go to a Japanese restaurant oh yeah the little sli- yeah the little slices of that yeah so I was giving getting like tons of that and then later on it turned into more like coffee cake we have this um cake in finland called mocha palat which mm-hmm. you know mocha mocha it's like that kind of coffee thing yeah so the icing is flavored with coffee and the actual cake is chocolate so kind of carry through of some of those from the aromas onto the palate for you yeah and then eventually at the end like there was some minty freshness that was then mm. coming through i got the kind of ginger but not the fresh i got more of the baking spice ginger kind of drying nutmeg although i did find the mouth feel quite smooth I got that stodgy I think I've mentioned it before like Jamaica ginger cake it's like really sticky stodgy Mm. little sponge Mm, it's so tasty but like a little hint of licorice as well yeah and on the finish I was getting again like that kind of digestive biscuit that wheatiness, mm-hmm. the maltiness with a little bit of cinnamon. So it was a little bit more drying and malty at the finish. I thought it was a wee bit longer on the finish, this uh, dram, a bit kind of, but medium, not particularly mm. long. Yeah. Quite gentle, quite woody. And I wasn't, I was finding it hard to detect much beyond that. You know, I wasn't kind of, there weren't other descriptives yeah. jumping out at me on the finish. No, same, exactly. But I, I did enjoy this though. It was very light, easy sipping dram. I thought it was lovely. I preferred this of the two. What about you, Anka? Yeah, same. And it's a total bargain. I'm not sure where it costs elsewhere, but in the UK, it's less than £40. That's amazing. I would actually, like, I would drink this again, for sure. Definitely. Bargain. Whiskey Sisters, Whiskey Fact. Inca, tell us, what is a Dunnage warehouse and how does it differ from the modern racked warehouse and the palletized warehouse? Okay, so the classic Dunnage warehouse is a low and often windowless building 
with a thick stone walls and slate and timber roof. Inside, the casks are usually stacked in rows, two or three high, and the humidity is relatively high due to the flooring being earth or cinder. And the thick walls and low capacity allow low and even temperatures throughout the day and even months and years, uh, when the poorer insulation makes for much greater degree of temperature variation in racked or palletized warehouses, especially between the highest and the lowest rows of casks. So basically, if you have a palletized or racked warehouse, maybe the bottom layer will be similar to the casks in Dunwich. Ah. Like the temperature stays and it's a bit more even. And Dunwich warehouses are expensive to run since they can store relatively small number of casks. There you go. Love it. You've been listening to the Whiskey Sisters podcast. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will take you to Ireland as we sample single malts from Bushmills Distillery. So pour yourself a dram and join us next Wednesday. Also, head to our Instagram at whiskeysisters.podcast where we are running a very special Halloween giveaway. (laughs) And check out our Halloween video, especially if you're a fan of the Lost Boys movie. And if you've seen it, why wouldn't you be a fan of the Lost Boys movie? I know everybody's not as obsessed as me, Inca, but it's a good film, right? I haven't actually seen it fully. (laughs) (laughs) Only bits of it. But you were a good sport for our for our video for sure. Uh, And you can also chat to us on Twitter at Whiskey Sisters or Facebook at Whiskey Sisters Podcast. May your glass be full and your dram on fire. Mm